On today's show, with a break in the offseason, we look ahead and rank what we think will be the top offenses in the NBA next season. Will Golden State come out hot? Will offseason, will Atlanta's offseason moves take them to the top? And where will the LA teams rank after down seasons? All that and more coming up next. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome to a Friday Locked On NBA, your daily podcast on the NBA. However you may be tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts, thank you for making Locked On NBA your first listen every day. I'm Wes Goldberg here with Adam Mares. Um, uh, I cover the league from Miami. Adam, you cover the league out of Denver, and there's not a whole lot going on right now as the whole <laughs> NBA kind of feels like we're all taking a breath uh, while we sort of wait on something to give in the Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell sagas. Um, but while we're sort of just waiting for those big dominoes to drop, um, we're going to take this chance to just sort of reflect on the offseason and then also look ahead on how some of the moves that have happened will impact some of the NBA's top offenses uh, in the league. And so what we're going to do here is rank what we think will be the top 10 offenses next reason, uh, next season by offensive rating. Uh, this is then, the hardest exercise we've ever done. Like I was yes. telling Wes before we, before we went live, We've done some of these power rankings, which are usually tongue in cheek, you know, like we're just trying to have fun. This one here, there's a good chance we're off by a lot. Yeah. Um, so like there's a good mark. We missed by 10 spots on some of these teams. <laughs> it, we probably will. Um, so definitely hold us to it, everybody listening. Um, <laughs> write it down, aggregate it, go for it. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting thought exercise, but we got to keep our minds sharp, you know, during the offseason when not a lot of stuff's happening. Um, so here's what we're going to do. I made my own list of uh, my top 10 offenses. Uh, again, what I think they'll finish 1 to 10 in offensive rating. And you made your own separate list. We have not shared those lists with each other. I don't know what yours looks like. You don't know what mine looks like. Uh, mm. But you. But we're, but we're going to just go ahead and go off of mine for now. And then we'll we'll kind of see where yours fits in with mine. I think that's probably the okay. cleanest way to do this thing. So uh, I'm going to start right there at the top. And I'm going to start with the LA Clippers. I think they'll end up finishing the year with the top offensive rating in the league. They did so two years ago when Kawhi and Paul George were healthy. Last year, they were not healthy, and so they were like way down there in offensive rating. But in 2020-2021, they finished with an offensive rating of 116.7, um, and that was better than last year's number one offensive rating. And so I think if you get uh, Kawhi to play 60 games, Paul George stays healthy, um, you know, obviously they got guys like John Wall in there. They still have Reggie Jackson. They, they, I like the depth that they have. Uh, I think we're looking at what could b- probably be the number one offense and offensive rating next year. So last year without those guys, they were all the way down at 25. Now, does that yeah. mean anything? Probably not because, again, they were without those guys. But it does give us this baseline of one of the things that makes them a good pick for number one. They were not my number one. I had them number five. But what makes them a good pick is their best lineups – are going to be deep and really, really offensively. Um, it's not unstoppable because I think they're stoppable, but in a regular season, they're going to be pretty unstoppable. Like you, yeah. you shut down Kawhi Leonard, Paul George goes off. You shut down Paul George, you got Reggie Jackson, you got John Wall, you got all these different pieces that are going to be tough to cover. But the thing I wonder is how many games is Paul George going to play? How many games is, Ky- is Kawhi going to play? And I think that the odds, and then you have John Wall, you know, who's a little bit an injury mystery there. I just think the odds of their team being the fully healthy version, we might get 20 games of that. We might get less than 20 right. games. So yeah. that's the only reason I don't have them I'm, that high. 
I have no problem with that. I'm probably just betting on them being healthy, which is completely out of my usual behavior because if anybody's listened to the show, I never bet on the Clippers for anything just because I can't trust <laughs> them ever being healthy or available. Uh, but I'm putting them number one just because, I don't know, man, like Kawhi took a whole season off. Can you give me 60 games next year? Uh, right. and, I, and I do like the depth. I like the fact that they have Norman Powell, Robert Covington, guys like Terrence Mann. Like, you know, they, they've got guys that have showed stuff. I, I like the fact that, you know, they still have Zubach there at center, but they're probably going to go small and, and offensive and, and kind of tilt towards offense a little bit more when Zubach is off the floor, maybe playing Batum there at the five and things like that. Um, I just think they're a really interesting team. They could shoot the lights out of the ball. The three-point shooting is always going to be there. Um, so I'm just, I have number, number one, but you're right. Like, a stretch of Kawhi being unavailable or Paul George getting hurt that could that could push them way past like way down past five maybe closer to where they were last year at 25 so who knows but I got him at number one um it's a bold choice but I'm going with it um number two I've got the Atlanta Hawks um this is a team that finished second in offensive rating last year they were ninth the year before that so they obviously were climbing and I think when we look at some of the top teams in offensive rating year in and year out so yeah. much of it is personnel, but almost as much of it is system, and specifically a system that is sort of a rinse and repeat. Uh, just you, when you know what you do, it feels like those offenses tend to rise in offensive rating, and we know exactly what the Hawks are going to do, right? It's going to be high pick and roll with Trey Young, Clint Capella as a lob threat, uh, and 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 shooting around them. They still have John Collins, who's a knockdown shooter from the corners and things like that. Uh, they have good depth. Bogdanovich coming off the bench, presumably. Um, and, and, and they don't turn the ball over either. So they're just going to, they're going to have a lot of opportunities to score and we know exactly what it's going to look like when they do score. The only thing against Atlanta, I would say is maybe it's a little clunky with DeJounte Murray at first where they're trying to figure it out. But ultimately when it comes down to it, they're going to be a high pick and roll team and they're going to do it over and over again. And Trey Young is only going to keep getting better. Yeah. I, they're number two on my board as well. I think you hit all of the right points here that it's like, not just do they have the talent to do it, but is it a repeatable thing? And I think Trey Young is one of those guys. There's like maybe six or seven of them in the NBA where you say it's not hard for them to do what they do because the system is a guy who just always does it. And so yeah. Trey Young is going to always have that offense humming. And then I'm really intrigued with this DeJounte Murray. Like you have two guards that are really, really, really difficult to keep in front of you on top of some good spacing and a couple, a pair of good role threats. So I'm with you. I think they're going to be really high. I had him number two as well. Number three on my board, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, I almost put them at number two here, Adam, and I'm and okay. I would be I could get talked into it, uh, but I, I ultimately went with Atlanta's depth there and, and just knowing what they do. But look, the Utah Jazz had the number one rated offense in the league last year because mostly Rudy Gobert shot one billion percent at the rim. He was unstoppable when he was at the basket. We know that Rudy Gobert has his warts in the playoffs, but we're not talking about the playoffs. We're talking about the regular season. And in the regular season, Rudy Gobert is an automatic bucket when he's within an arm distance of the basket, and he's one of the best pick-and-roll threats in the NBA. And you combine him now with Carl Anthony Towns out shooting threes on the perimeter, Anthony Edwards taking whatever sort of leap that he's going to take. Uh, they still have D'Angelo Russell at point guard, who is an underrated pick-and-roll ball handler. It hits that pocket pass, gets the lobs really good. Um, and I think th that's going to be open there for Gobert. You take the fact that what Utah did with Donovan Mitchell and Gobert was so effective, that two-man game last year. I think you could just copy and paste that between D'Angelo Russell and Gobert or Anthony Edwards and yeah. Gobert. Plus, you have the, the shooting threat of Carl Anthony Towns and everything else that he's able to do. 
maybe Chris Finch staggers them a little bit where you always have one of the big men on oh, the floor sure. at all times. I I think Minnesota is going to put up huge numbers offensively. Again, I almost put them at number two, but I settled here at number three. I've got them at number three as well. So our order, we had Hawks two and Timberwolves three, both of us there, but we had a different one. Um, yeah. I'm with you. The offensive rebounding, I think, is going to be insane. Um, their yes. issues are going to come on the defensive end and in crunch time. I do wonder what their crunch time offense will look like. They'll have to sort that out. It may take a while. One area we could both be overrating them is this is a new team with a very new identity now, and it might take a little bit of time to kind of figure out. But, hey, it might take a little time for the rest of the NBA to figure out as well. And <laughs> in the meantime, I think the big point here is if you always have one of the five or six best centers in the NBA on the court, sometimes together, but always at least one of them, you're just going to win inside a lot. So I'm with you. I think their offense. And then, by the way, Chris Finch is a great coach and yes. the perfect coach, in my opinion, to do this. He's done it in Denver uh, with Nurkic and Jokic. He's done it in New Orleans with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. I, I just think he has a lot of experience with this exact sort of um, like ingredients. And I think it's going to be really special. So I'm with you. Yeah, and his coaching is a big reason why maybe it smooths out the transition period a little bit more because I believe in Chris Finch too. And and look, I, I mentioned it before, but I don't think I I think it's something worth repeating. The Anthony Edwards leap that's probably going to happen just because this guy keeps getting better is also a major factor in this too, and, and kind of stabilizes what they do in the backcourt. I think so. Um, I, yeah, I like Minnesota at number three. Uh, we'll get to our next top offense uh, prediction uh, here in a bit, but first. Let's tell our friends about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your needs. Find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sport wagering information. From live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts, they have you covered. And out now are win-loss totals on the NBA, so make sure to go check those out. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Back here with Locked On NBA. Which NFL stars move the betting line the most starting July 18th? Locked On gives you the 50 most valuable players in the NFL from the odds makers at Bet Online. Available July 18th on Locked On NFL, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. All right, so just to quickly recap here, I had the Clippers at number one. We still don't know who your number one is yet, Adam. Uh, we, we don't. We haven't got to it yet. I wonder what – I have a feeling, I think, where you're going with this, but we'll see. Uh, we both had the Hawks and the Timberwolves at number three. At number four, we're still going off my list here, I've got the Milwaukee Bucks. I got the Milwaukee Bucks. They finished yeah. third last year. They were fifth the year before that. This is a safe pick. This is a very safe pick. They have Giannis, man. They have yeah. Giannis. They have shooting. They've just been in this zone over the last couple of years. They've been in the top five. Um, Chris Middleton sounds like you know his offseason surgery is going to go fine. He should be back by the start of the regular season, according to the reports out of Milwaukee. And so I've got Milwaukee at number four. Nothing crazy here, but it's a safe pick, like you said. I had him number six. I think your number is as likely because you look at the history. Remember what I said about Trey Young? Like if you have a guy that is the system, it just makes it easy for you to know, like we're going to be right. good on Auburn. We're not going to have a lot of bad nights. Giannis is that guy. He breaks what you do defensively and it makes it easier for everyone else. The reason I went six instead of number you know, three or four or somewhere higher where they've been, every team goes through the cycle 
you're trying to win 60 games when you haven't won a championship yet. You're trying to win a bunch. As you start to get older and as you've won, the regular season takes, you compartmentalize a little bit more. Right. Maybe you focus more on defense. You focus more on experimentation. I kind of feel like the the Bucks having the injuries that they had at the end of the year last year, I wonder if this is the year they took their, take their foot off the gas pedal. And again, not a lot. I'm only dropping them down to six. But I think right. they're going to be a top five offense that finishes sixth. Mm. I wonder if maybe that drop-off happens defensively for them. I could see that. Brooke Lopez getting older. Bobby Portis hasn't been an awesome defender anyway. Giannis maybe does take a little bit off the gas, even though it's hard to imagine him doing that. But like you said, it's just so rinse and repeat. Giannis, put him near the basket. Four guys to crash onto him. He kicks out to a shooter. It's just so simple. It works every time. We know that Mike Budenholzer has a system. We know exactly what it's going to look like. Yeah, I'm with like four to six. We're just splitting hairs at this point. But yeah, we both had him near the top here. So that makes sense. Um, all right, number five. I have the Denver Nuggets at number five. Uh, obviously, you've got Nikola Jokic, MVP, offensive juggernaut, just, you know, an offensive system. We're talking about systems. He is the system. He is a system unto himself. He gets guys open. I really like adding KCP to the mix there. I just think he's a, a nice shooter to have there on the perimeter. And of course, they might be getting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back sooner rather than later. And so if you get those guys back, I think, first of all, I think if you get those guys back with Jokic, this is about their floor is, is, is where I ranked them at number five. So last year, the Denver Nuggets were sixth in offensive rating. If you go to the lineups, their starting lineup, which you probably couldn't even name, it was Monte Morris, uh, Will Barton, Jeff Green, not exactly a murderer's row so far, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. They played more minutes than any other five-man group in all of the NBA, had a 121.3 offensive rating. A lineup featuring no offensive players minus one guy had an <laughs> offensive rating of 121.3. Now you add back Jamal Murray, you add back Michael Porter. Wes, this is the number one offense next year, the number one offense. This, I found it. The Nuggets were sixth last year at offensive rating, and they had the worst offensive bench in the NBA, the worst. Featuring a five foot seven inch point guard who couldn't score at the rim from the mid range or the three point line. To me, I honestly, then, then we talk about hungry versus, you know, taking your time. I think the Nuggets are going to be a team that is hungry this year. They lost two years basically with all the injuries that they had. Getting healthy again, this is a team that is going to be enjoying the offensive uh, oh, interesting. explosion that they're going to have on the court this year. I like the joy angle there. That that's a good take. Just the fact that they're going to be playing together and that, that you see that translate a lot offensively. So tell me the latest on Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. For the listeners that don't know. So Jamal Murray has been participating in five on five drills for the first time in a year and a half, basically from his recovery, Michael Porter Jr. We're told both by him and from the team is a hundred percent right now and ready to go. Jamal Murray more ramping up. We'll see. We'll see. But my point, my broader point was you're replacing Monte Morris with Jamal right. Murray. Monte's a good player, but yeah. you're replacing him with a guy who has multiple 50-point playoff games and multiple 50-point games just in general. On top of that, you're replacing Jeff Green, 36, going to be 37-year-old Jeff Green. You're replacing him with Michael Porter Jr., who I don't know if you guys realize this, shot 45% from three on seven or seven-plus attempts a game the last time he was on the court. The offense talent upgrade the Nuggets are getting is massive. And you got the two-time MVP at the top of his game. I just think the offense is going to be settled for Denver. You're talking me into it, Adam. I might have to move up Denver a little bit more. I just, 
I guess I was just a little shaky because of the Murray and Porter injury history there. But if they're ready to go, yeah, if they play, if they're playing a majority of the season, there's no reason why they can't be number one. And when like they said, don't I, play, Denver is six. So if they miss twenty games next year, thirty games. All yeah. right, you're sixth for thirty games, and then you're first for fifty games. It, it averages out third or fourth or something like that. All right, I like it. Um, finally, you found your number one. Let's see. Uh, I am going to move on to the number six ranked offense on my list here. Right? That's where we are. Yeah. yeah six. I'm going with Dallas. I know that they, I know that they lost um, Jalen Brunson, but I don't know that I care that much. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Brunson, good player. Good for him getting his money. Good for him going to the Knicks, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's all about Luka Doncic. And I think what you got from Brunson was, is replaceable with, Tim Hardaway or Spencer Dinwiddie or however you want to fill in that that stuff. When it's Luca, he just takes so much off the plate of other guys because he's doing it all offensively. Add Christian Wood to the mix. I like him. Decent rebounder. Can stretch the floor. I like that option there in the front court. Uh, I'm not overthinking this. This is sort of similar to the Milwaukee thing. Dallas with Luca has always been one of the top six or seven offenses in the league. I've got him here at number six. I think you have I, – I don't have them in my top 10, and I feel like you're probably mm. going to be right on this. I will say I disagree with you in, in saying, you know, the only thing that matters is Luka. I do think the Jalen Brunson lots is bad. First of all, they had the guys you mentioned last year, so it's not like they're replacing Jalen Brunson right. with someone else. You're just moving somebody else up the pecking order, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, namely. I do think that's a little bit of a drop-off. I think Luka probably has a career year, so you make up a little bit of that. But we talk 82 games with all of these teams that have this level of talent. I, I just look at it and I go, I don't know that they're going to be top five, six. I could see eight, nine, ten, but I had them outside of my top ten. I think the Brunson thing's gonna end up mattering more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. Is like maybe the only the only thing I have as far as an asterisk on the Brunson. Spencer Dinwiddie, by the way, hasn't exactly been healthy most of his, his career. True. So he's the second guy. When Luke is on the bench, he's probably the guy that's gonna be running the show. And he, I mean, if he misses 10, 15 games in a row, all of a sudden you don't even have a number two. Now, now you're having to go way down the list. I've got Phoenix at number seven. Um, Chris Paul, Devin Booker. They've got DeAndre Ayton back. I got I, Look, DeAndre Ayton was good last year. I know everybody kind of wants to is sort of low on Phoenix right now, considering how they got out in the second round to, to the Mavericks and everything that happened with Ayton and the restricted free agency and the, and the salary matching and all that kind of stuff. But you know, this stuff was around it in last year. He still had a good regular season for them. Uh, he's a bucket right around the rim. I think his game is going to continue to evolve. And then you add that with Devin Booker and Chris Paul. I know Chris Paul's getting older, but I, I like Mikal Bridges a lot. I think he's going to continue to take a leap offensively. Cam Johnson's a knockdown shooter. Uh, Phoenix, they're just, they're deep. They're good. This is a team that won 63 games last year in large part because of their offense as well as their defense. But their offense was one of the top offenses in the league last year. I think it'll be one of the top offenses in the league this year. I have them I, almost in the same spot. I had them eighth. Uh, I'm with you. They are, like I said, with Milwaukee, I, a team kind of has that hungry, we're here to prove things, and then you kind of age a little bit and you take right. things less. I, I think Phoenix might be that. I don't know that they're winning 63, 64 games again like they did last year. My hunch is that they probably load manage a little bit more and experiment a little bit more throughout the regular season. And so I still think that their talent is good enough. They'll be number eight, but I don't I – don't, I, I'm just betting against them sustaining that the way they have for the last two seasons. Uh, um, that would be basically what you and I are both saying. If they're at seven or eight, that is a little bit of a dip um, either way. Um, all right. 
We'll get to number eight on my list. I'm sure you have the defending champs somewhere on your list. We'll find out where <laughs> they rank up yet. coming up next here on Locked on NBA. Back here with Locked on NBA. Check us out on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast free and available on all platforms. We're ranking the top offenses in the NBA for next season, predicting what the top 10 offenses and offensive ratings will be. And I'm going to get to number eight here. I'm going to get to our defending champs. I've got the Golden State Warriors at number eight. Um, and this might seem low, I think, to a few people, um, considering that Emmys or, or Emmys, ESPY's host, Steph Curry, and finals MVP uh, is on that team. Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they're back. They're healthy. Presumably will be back and healthy all regular season the way they were not last regular season. And, of course, we are talking about the regular season here. But. Um, I think that's what elevates them into the into this top 10 group. This is not a team that over the last few years has been even close to the top 10. I think last year they ranked, what, 16th in offensive right. rating? And, and again, that was without Draymond and Clay healthy for most of the season. What was it, 30 seconds that they played together? Him, uh, Clay, Draymond, and right. Steph or something like that. Um, in the playoffs, they were the number one rated offense in the, in the postseason. I think we're going to see something closer to that, but... They lost Otto Porter. They lost Nemanja Bialica, who had a nice regular season for them. They lost Gary Payton, who was not as bad offensively as I think a lot of people expected him to be. You know, he had a good finishing rate and things like that. Wasn't a great three-point shooter, but whatever. They replaced him with Dante DiVincenzo, Jamichael Green. Those are fine role players, but I think there's definitely a taking a step back uh, in depth there. And you're going to be relying a lot on rookies like Moses Moody and Kaminga and James Wiseman. So I think there's going to be a feeling out period for the rookies. For a team that plays as fast as they do, I think what we're going to be looking at is a ton of turnovers. Um, I, I could see the rebounding maybe even taking a step back a little bit, and just so so between the lack of depth, uh, the turnover issue going to that's going to be there, and having to work in some of the rookies, I think the Warriors could be in the top five. It wouldn't shock me if they finished in the top five, but I'm just I'm I'm just building in some room for error there uh, for because of the transition. I think is going to be a, not as smooth as maybe some people think, but I got Golden State at number eight, which again. Huge improvement yeah. from where they've been the last couple of years. I had them number four, and I feel like you might be right because the same thing I apply to, you know, the Suns and the Bucks definitely applies to the Warriors. I mean, they they don't need to be a one seed. They know what they need to do in a playoffs. They've been there. They've done that. But I there's another part of me that thinks the Warriors are the best team I've ever seen at sustaining that same level of offense for 82 games. I mean, part of why they won 73 games again pre-KD part of the reason was every night they just found that rhythm stayed in that rhythm and yeah. played beautiful basketball and made shots you get Clay Thompson back Steph Curry Steph Curry to me looks like he's at the top of his game right now he really does look as good as we've ever seen him yep. I think the guys that they lost are very good role players whose impact will be felt more defensively I think guys like Kaminga and Moody are going to help out the offense because they're just so athletic and and, and can fill in those those spaces so I think they're going to be the number one offense that finishes fourth. Mm, yeah. And look, I think a big part of this is what version of Andrew Wiggins do we get? Do we get the Andrew Wiggins who was an all-star and, and shined on the biggest stage in the finals? Or are we going to get that Andrew Wiggins who sometimes isn't all the way there during the regular season? Here? I don't know. But I do feel like Wiggins coming off that finals run, there's a new era of confidence to him. I would actually bet on Wiggins being better. Like kind of maybe being the one warrior who really rides the high from the finals going to next season. Because like you said, Steph's been there. Clay's been there. Draymond's been there. They're not riding the high off the finals the way that 
somebody who just did it. You know, we saw the Warriors win one finals and win 73 games the next season. I don't think we're getting that version of the Warriors, but we could get that version of Andrew Wiggins where he's just totally in his own comfort zone, totally just figured out that what his role in the NBA is going to be. So if we get that version of Andrew Wiggins, I think that they could easily be in the top five in offensive rating. By the way, Wes, I don't know if you picked this up, but a little conspiracy corner for you. Ooh. Steph Curry last night. No, he roasted LeBron James. He roasted the Boston Celtics. He roasted the Clippers. He did not roast Kevin Durant. <laughs> kid, kid gloves on there for Kevin Durant. Um, Kid gloves on there for Kevin Durant. Uh, Peyton Manning did take a shot at KD to Steph Curry. So I don't know if that was the KD joke that was able to get worked in where Steph was like, look, I'm not going to bash my former teammate. Uh, I like the conspiracy. I like that they're keeping the door open there. By the way, if Kevin Durant gets traded to any of these teams, that's a, that's a obviously a game changer. We probably should have said that at the top. Like if a major trade goes down, if Kevin Durant ends up on Phoenix, for example, they're probably ranked a lot higher on both of our lists, but, um, that said, that has not happened yet, and I haven't. I didn't even put Brooklyn on my top ten because I have no idea what they're going to be, so I just yeah. didn't include them. That was Who easier does? for me to do. Um, next up on my list, I had Golden State at eight. Uh, I've got the New Orleans Pelicans at I love number it. nine. Is that where you had them? I had them ten, but I had them okay. on my list, and I felt like I was being bold here. <laughs> well, they were ninth in the NBA in offensive rating last year after the CJ McCollum trade went down. Oh, okay. They're getting Zion Williamson back. Nine actually might be too low for the Pelicans, but I had them here. I felt comfortable with them here at nine. The thing about the Zion ad is I think it is definitely an ad. I think the CJ McCollum thing was obviously huge as well. I didn't know that stat top, you know, top 10 basically since the trade deadline. So those things are all data points. I do think there's a little in one hand out the other with Zion. Like he's going to be, they had a good rhythm going. They had a good thing and a good identity that they're going to have to reestablish and rediscover. And, and, there might be a little bit of Zion makes you is, you know, improves you in an area you already worse. So you're taking away from Brandon Ingram or you're taking away from some other player, Valanciunas. Nonetheless, I still think they get into the top 10 offensively. And I think they have streaky segments, two week stre- stretches, three week stretches where they, their offense is just absurd. Just humming. Yeah. I'm with you. Look, Zion puts up Shaq like numbers at the basket. Um, you know, McCollum is just a, it, it Thrived as a floor general at the point guard position for them last year. I like them, man. I, I really do. And they're, they're going to dominate the offensive glass, which is a big deal when it comes to offensive rating, just like we were talking about with uh, with Minnesota. Um, all right, my final one here. I have no idea. We I still don't know who your seventh one is. My tenth, my tenth team is the Memphis Grizzlies. And my reasoning for it is John ja Morant. And I yeah. think they might have the best backcourt in the NBA by the time next season is over and John ja Morant and Desmond Bain. We might be looking at them just like that. And... Uh, everything they do is great. Everything they do is gravy. And John Morant is awesome. And so I have them at number 10. And they were they were in the top 10 last year, I think. They were. They were, I think, pretty high, pretty, um, pretty comfortably. Four. They were four, yeah. Uh, they were four, yeah. So I actually had them 11, so off of my list. They were a tough omission. Interesting. Um, I think that this next year, the Grizzlies remind me more of, say, the 2000, I think it's 2018 uh Portland Trailblazers than they do. I know a lot of people have made comparisons like, oh, they're on the rise, this linear rise. I might see them actually taking a bit of a step back in all facets next year. We know the numbers with John Morant last year, 30 and two or 20 and two or whatever it was when he wasn't in the lineup. Now, I think that those, that's a little misleading. I'm not trying to say the team's better without him, but I do think that they're going to miss Kyle Anderson. I think they're going to miss Jaron Jackson Jr.'s health, yeah. you know, early on in the season. 
And that'll be enough as a competitive West. I think it's enough just to lower them a little bit offensively, defensively, and even overall in the standings. And oh, by the way, I think Memphis may be a team that has a bigger target on their back than most people realize. They, I think they might be a team that everyone gets up for next year, at least early on. Uh, I like that for all the trash talking and everything like that. That makes sense. Um, all right. So I still don't know your seventh and your 10th team. Can I guess? Go go for it. Boston? Well, you do. Oh, 10th was Pelican. So I. I oh, I you're not. Oh, 10th was yeah, Pelican. So there's only one so team. Ninth. There's only one team. Yeah. The only was one Boston team. And it was my seventh, seventh team. It's not Boston. They don't have any good offensive players. That's a that's a shot at, at Jason Tatum. It is. It is. <laughs> All right, I missed one that was on your list that I also had, but whatever. So I'm I'm missing your seventh team. So um, I could have had them higher. I'll say this: my the team I, I put them seventh as a sort of hedge, but I kind of feel like they're going to be maybe like a top four offense here. Is it Philly? It's Philadelphia. Now yeah. here's the thing: Daryl Morey has a style. He has a belief. He's been around the league long enough that we kind of know how he operates. His belief is. To win in the NBA, you just have to make your star players comfortable, meaning every player that's on the roster is really just there as a supporter of your best players. He comes into a Philadelphia team that was already a work in progress. He made half of that progress by midway through the year, and then this offseason, he completed it. You've got James Harden, you've got Joel Embiid, and you've got a bunch of guys that don't touch the ball and don't do anything other than shoot the ball well enough that they have to be guarded. Those two guys are going to cook. They're both going to be MVP candidates. And what happened the last time Daryl Morey built a team around a Supers? Like the last time he actually had a team that he built, the Houston Rockets, number one offense. This is what this is what they're going to be, a spread offense with instead of one ISO player, they're going to have two, one inside, one outside. I don't think it'll be that clunky. I think they're going to dominate. Their bench is the only thing that gives me a little bit of pause because I think their bench yeah. might not be that great. But I think they're going to get a lot of wide open buckets with Morey Ball. Um, I agree with you. I think that that starting lineup group is going to work. That's going to be one of those uh, data points that we talk about all season long. It gets brought up. Philadelphia has the number one starting lineup in net rating all, right. all year long. Like It's going to be something like that, I promise. But uh, I the depth is what scares me and the fact that I could see them resting Embiid and Harden a little bit more than maybe people expect. And if they do that, um, but yeah, I, I, I consider the, Philadelphia... Here's, yeah. here's, let me give you something important. Embiid has inside track to win MVP. I know he thought so this year. It didn't yeah. go his way. Is he motivated to try again? We'll find out. I kind of think he will be. James Harden is in a contract year. Yes, he just signed this deal, took less money. Everybody's like, oh my God, what a, what a guy. He's going to get a bigger deal next summer. So I think that this is, a, both guys are sort of like, I have some hardware to prove and a big payday with that hardware that's coming up. I like it. I have no problem with Philadelphia. I consider them. They're, I guess, my honorable mention, my number 11, even though I didn't make one, but I'll make them my number 11. Um, all right. So three teams that were in the top 10 last year that did not make either of our top 10 this year. Utah was the number one yeah. offensively in the league. Obviously, they lost their they best offensive player, so yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> Charlotte, they were at number eight. I yeah. think that they dropped. Uh, the, the Steve Clifford hire, he's a defensive-leaning coach. Yeah. Pace Great is going to come down a little bit. Uh, and then the the Miles Bridges domestic abuse thing. We don't really yep. know what's going on with that. And so if they don't have Bridges, forget it. Uh, and then Boston, like you said, they have no good offensive players. Sorry. <laughs> Just the way it works. Just the way it works, man. Just delivering the news here. <laughs> Just delivering the news. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I think this this was a really tough exercise. And I think one of the things that it shows you is just how deep the league is. 
it's been disguised a little bit with all the injuries and injuries will pop up again and will probably change this list. But right now it appears that most of your star players are going to be healthy. And when you start going through this list, we didn't have the Brooklyn Nets on this, our list. Like we're just assuming Kyrie and KD are not going to be on a team together and that they'll be turmoil. But if they're on the list, they might be number one. So if Kyrie like, ends up on the Lakers. The Lakers might be the on Lakers this list. Lakers are number one. Like, yeah. yeah. So, so this could all be end up. This could all end up being wrong. One place I think you were right where I was wrong. I don't think I have the Nuggets ranked high enough. I think you talked me into it, which should not be a surprise to anybody go. listening. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I liked our list. I like our lists the way they are, um, and we'll change them when they're they're completely wrong. All right. That'll do it for us today. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Locked on NBA wherever you listen to the podcast for 30 minutes of the NBA's top stories every day. Until next Friday, you can find me over at Locked on Heat and Adam is over at Locked on Nuggets. Thank you for making Locked on NBA your first listen every day.